I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Tonight podcast. I'm Austin Healy and today I'm joined by the Saracens Bath TV's legendary... David Flatman, who's described himself on Twitter as a man's man with a hint of lavender. Where did you get that from? Um, I think it was my granny, my late granny, and I remember we had a game of rugby, and I'm not sure the first time I heard it, and we had this big fight, and like, we're like under 13s or something, and we had this massive punch-up, Maidstone, Maidstone against Sittingbourne, and uh, actually whacking each other, which never used to happen then, when you were kids, but we all piled in. And um, my gran was very, very just Nana, we called her. Nana was very, very little Nana because she was like four foot eight or something. And um, she said, I was very, very disappointed in you because I always hoped you had a touch of the lavender about you. Mm. And then that's where it came from, I think. It's a beautiful story. So, I mean, I'm crying now. You can't see that at home, but um, yeah. I'm, I'm in tears. Well, you can listen to this anywhere, really, depending on your device. You could be on the train. You could be at home. You could be in the car, even, with uh, modern-day technology. I normally listen to them on the treadmill. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Of course, you're uh, you're actually no stranger to the podcast world, are you? You've, you no. do your very own. Uh, where can we find your podcast? It's called Flats and Shanks. And, uh, you know, was it, is it better than this one, basically? Yes, yeah, I mean, so for early impressions, it's significantly better than this. Um, but what, what is up due to me or no? What no? It's not. As, it's nowhere near as good as this. It, you've got equipment. Um, we don't have any. We don't have any stuff. So how do you record it then? We've got Shanks's old MacBook, and we got some um, mics that he got on like, eBay. Yeah. And we plug them into his little USB thing and do that. We don't do anything else at all. And people keep coming to us and saying, <clears throat> "What we'll do is we'll sponsor you a bit of money." And instead of that, as well as that, we will basically build you a studio at one of your homes and we'll put a studio in and we'll be your sponsor and whatever. But you have to do this, this and this for it. And we're just like, nah. so we just keep working off his laptop. We've got the worst audio in the world. Is it but, better than Ugo's uh, podcast that he does? Well, Ugo's got two distinct advantages. He's got Chris Jones, who's the journalist who actually runs it. He's got the talent. got the talent. Yeah. And he wears diamond earrings and skinny jeans and rascal mm. threads. And he's actually... Probably more interesting than me and Shanks. So um, yeah, they've all, they got the added advantage that their podcast is better than ours, which doesn't help us. Well, one of the advantages we have it here at BT Sport is that we've actually got uh, action from the European final round of the Champions Cup. We've also got the quarterfinals to look forward to. They've been decided. Uh, we'll be running through the big winners and losers of the pools, looking ahead at some of the Anglo-Welsh Cup fixtures this weekend, which we've also got here on BT Sport, as well as talking about the looming Six Nations series. Uh, but before we get into that, 
Uh, here's a little brief look of what else you can expect. We're joined in the studio by Gloucester's Jason Woodward. Certain Sacraments come in from the boys that have been there um, for the past couple of years. I think they've just noticed a real sort of difference in the team environment, people sort of wanting to be there and get involved in the club. As well as an exclusive interview with London Irish's Darren Daviduk, who is currently undergoing treatment for testicular cancer. I looked at it as an injury, I was like, okay, I'm going to be out for four months, but and, the, and as soon as the treatment finishes, I want to be back in, into training. But first up, let's talk about what happened in the rugby in the past week. Uh, it says here, Flats, Austin and David, it calls you here, which I think is like yeah, very formal. Yeah. Very formal. Yeah. Oz and Flats run through the biggest rugby news stories and give their opinions. Steve Tandy sacked by Ospreys. What do you reckon? A uh, matter of time. You, you sort of felt, I watched them quite a lot this season and you... And you, you felt like when they put in a great performance, like they went to Sarries at Allianz Park and put in a great performance and they had a couple of games where they produced some magic moments, largely through Dan Evans at fullback. You did have, an, a, there, for me, there was an overriding feeling that they, they those victories and those individual moments might paper over the cracks, but it felt like a matter of time. thing is, the, the truth of it is, sometimes it just goes stale. Steve Tanley's been there forever. Nathan Osprey's not, he's a Ospreyan through and through and all that. Sometimes, just like with Jim Mallinger, sometimes it just gets a bit old and you need a change. And I wonder, I mean, he, hasn't, he hasn't looked like he's enjoying his job particularly for the last yeah. year or so. But the thing is, speaking brutally about it, you can't quit because then you don't get a check and it's his job. So he has to wait. And you really have to, you've got to wait until you're sacked almost. I mean, I'm sure he's trying to win every week, but you really have to sit it out. He's had a decent time there, hasn't he? He's won the Pro 12. Um, he's brought some good players in on limited budgets. Um, it always, always amuses me, the club statements that they make after all yeah. these. Why don't they just say, look, it came to a natural end. We weren't winning enough games. He had to go. Instead, yeah. they butter it all. He's been a great servant. And it, then they butter it all up. And there's a load of paragraphs. But what, and... but what happens is they put, they give it to the press team to write. Yeah. And can you do a statement about Steve? Yeah, and they'll do a statement. And then the CEO or the MD or whatever will look over it. Andrew will look over it and make a couple of changes and someone else will rewrite it. He'll look over it a bit. Someone else will look over it and it'll kind of be three or four sets of eyes. Not, none of whom, none of these three or four people, none of whom are willing to do anything original in case it upsets somebody. So these same boring statements are put out for everybody. And it's yeah. like, like, it, like you know, at Bath or I used to play, we had uh, Matt Banahan uh, leaving the club or, or someone's leaving the club. I forget who it was. It wasn't Banahan. It's someone else leaving the club. And the statement... This is a few weeks ago, announcing him leaving. It's like it's been copied and pasted from the statement they put out when they signed him. And it's like the young, powerful, explosive English back rower. Da -da -da -da. Zach Mercer. Something like that. Yeah, he's not leaving. But it was one of those things. And it was like, you haven't, you know, you have just write, just write something original. And yeah. like when, when I stopped playing, I worked at Bath for a couple of years. And it was a real job, yeah? So don't, don't forget that. But um, Nick Abendanen left how to go to Claremont. A, how many days a week was it? I did every, every week I went in. Um, most weeks I went in. No, it was uh, nine days a week, that one. But I, Nick Abendanen left, and the lady who actually wrote the statement, who is brilliant at a job, she was away, and they said, Flats, can you write the statement? And I was like, yeah, Bendy's an absolute legend. We love him. He's been our best player for the last three years. Players play three years in a row. We're gutted to see him leave, but this is a pro game. He's going to play for a massive club, and he's going to have a great time, and he's always welcome back. And it went up to the CEOs, and they're like, no, we're not putting any of that. Not put any of it, and it was like was that the beginning you. of the end of your it was like, professional thank, thank career. You. We thank Nick for his service. It was just what he was doing was going somewhere else, and it yeah. was like they weren't angry with him. They just wouldn't put out a flowery statement. It was just, uh, just I mean, people taking other people's words and using them. It reminds me very much of my exams. 
And uh, I was quite happy with it. I just wish I'd sat next to someone slightly cleverer, particularly <laughs> yeah. for economics. Yeah. Um, Dan Bigger, though, injured, which is really bad news, particularly for, for Wales. And they've got quite a lot of injuries, haven't they? Oh, shed loads. Reese Le- Priestland also out. So Owen Le- Williams. Liam, Will- Liam Williams has just dropped out today. Has he? Just been injured. Oh, he's been announced just now. I think he's going to miss. So you think Owen Williams will play 10 now? I guess he'll. I guess he'll have to, uh, which is a shame because they really want. They were enjoying putting him at twelve. Not that they played him much there in the autumn, but when he was there, they looked really good at twelve. Patchell, they, yeah, Patchell, I think is a good player. He's been playing really well. Yeah. yeah, he's been playing a bit of fullback, hasn't he? At Scarlets last couple of weeks, looked yeah. really good. I think he looks actually probably better at fifteen. Mm. You worry about Lee Halfpenny getting into that Scarlets team properly in the I'm, quarters, and and I know I know size isn't everything, but when mm. you meet, you know, apparently. When you meet Reese Patrick, he's a big old boy. He's really big, so you could run him at fifteen. You run him at twelve. You could, you know, obviously he can play ten, but it's a playmaker can, as well that you want in the side, isn't he? Yeah, but you can have him hitting the line. He's got a lot of physical presence, you know. So uh, it's bad for Wales. It's going to be tough for them in that first game against Scotland. Yeah, it is actually. Mm. I'm back in Scotland for that one. I am as well. Boohoo. Uh, European Player of the Year nominees have been announced. I don't know if you've seen them. You, you were. You weren't on the short list. No, no, but it's a very political, no, isn't it? It's not, it's not a particularly short list either, is it? Anyone stand out for you? What uh, What stands out for me is that there aren't many um, English players on there. Yeah. I'm not saying that with an English bias, but... Um, There's only one, isn't there? Yeah. Um, only Owen, Owen Farrell's the only one, but it, it's an interesting one. I mean, we'll, well, I'm sure we'll, people are going to talk about this ad nauseum, but... Should we just Basically, do about 30 seconds? There aren't, there aren't any exhausted English players on there except Owen Farrell. <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's had a fair few months off. Um, uh, who's your winner? I'm going for Bottier. I'm, I, don't, I, w- I would like Nakara- Nakarawa or Bottier to win it. I don't, uh, Bottier's easier to say, so I think he should win. I, Bottier is, yeah. Morgan Parra? I don't, don't know why he's on there. Um, I think Bottier might win it, but I think more likely is Victor Vito, top 14 player of the year. And in Europe, he's just been fabulous. But Bottier is currently the best forward to watch in Europe. I oh, yeah. He's By a fantastic. long way. Now that Billy Van is injured as yeah. well. Uh, what about the games themselves? Obviously, the quarterfinals, Leinster versus Saracens. I think we go to that last because it's yeah. possibly the most interesting one. Scarlet's La Rochelle. Tough game for Scarlet's, but La Rochelle don't travel. No, and th- this it's the of all the games, this is the perfect one yeah. for Scarlets. It's the best game they could have got um, at home against La Rochelle. The two, I think, the two best teams to watch left in the competition. So it should be one of those games where two great teams come to come together, and it's awful. It's probably what will happen. But they both properly have a go. Um, and La Rochelle, the sort of team that everyone, if, if your team hasn't got through, then you'd love La Rochelle to win it. But I think Scarlets will become that team after this game because I think they'll win it. Yeah, I think so as well. Looking at the other game, I, th- I fancy Racing to go and do a job in Clermont. They battered them at home recently Yeah. heavily. I think they could win there. And I think that's a tough one for Munster. Yeah, I mean, Clermont have just got so many injured players. I mean, they've got, yeah. they've got almost their whole first team is out at the moment. They've got a prop playing scrum off. Yeah, and they've got a, the, coach is, the coach is playing... Where? Uh, Sen... Munster too long. Is that tough? Is that that tough? I, mean, I think tough. it is. I think it's quite tough. Toulon are uh, too long punchy on the road. They can be. I thought mm. they were okay in that uh, Scarlets game. They mm. fought. All, they, I thought in that Scarlets game they'd be absolutely exhausted in the second half, the way Scarlets played in the first. Mm. But they came back at them and they kept going, and it was only in the final few seconds that Scarlets held them out. Mm. So I, I, I think that's. I think that's a chance. I, I do. I really do. I think, I, that's I, th- a, I think that's a hell of an occasion. That's, that's yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad that a proper, a proper big old team has got that game at Thomond Park. What do we say, Thomond or Thomond? I, I don't know. Um, 
over there. We're we're doing the Leinster Scarlets game, aren't we? Which Leinster Saris. Saris even, yeah. sorry. Leinster Saris, which is I mean I'm sure Leinster probably would have preferred to play any of the other three. Any anyone, yeah, they'd have had anyone over them. I mean, once the team, once it gets announced, you're not bothered, are you? You could just crack on and play it. But given the choice, they definitely wouldn't have chosen Saracens um, because they found a bit of form. But it's just you, you. I watch Leinster. You watch Leinster live, and they're so well organised, so well rested. They're so well organised, so powerful that you you feel like Sarri's really needed. Billy Vunapola for that for that game. Yeah, he won't be back for that, will he? No, he'll be, cl- uh, be close. He won't, yeah, he's not back for that. I don't think so. He's out for th- what twelve weeks? Twelve weeks or so three months? Uh, I suppose he may be. He'll be close, won't it? It's uh, mid-April, early, yeah, early April. Um, yeah, it's a tough one. But That's I mean, tough. But I, I think you know we're English, so, so we. So let's pick up, let's pick our semis then. I think Leinster will win at home. Yeah. I think Scarlets will win, so it'll be uh, Leinster Scarlets. Agreed. Uh, and then I think Toulon will win and Racing, which means it'll be Racing at home in Paris against Toulon. I think Munster and Claremont will win, those two. OK, you just go with Homer then, that's fine. Yeah, I'm just a Homer. Uh, but it's a terrible turnout for the English teams. Uh, the Premiership, obviously, I think you've touched on it, a little bit too demanding, is it? Or just all these... You talk of the Lions players being fatigued, but mm. not every English player went on the Lions tour. No. There's only 10 of them odd. Yeah, and it's it's an interesting one, but then, but then you look at the key players in the other in the Welsh teams and the Irish teams, you know, those guys, the key players are often British and Irish Lions and those guys are having a rest. So the key players are arriving at big games in better condition. And that's just, it's not an excuse. It's the way it goes. You know, I played against these teams myself as you did. And we played against Leinster teams that had had more rest than us and they beat us. Did they beat us because they were more rested? No, they were just better. They were a much better team. So if they'd have been tired, they would have beaten us by, maybe by fewer points. But yeah, I think it's, yeah. it's definitely a thing. Equally, would any Premiership players sacrifice their position in the Premiership to go and play in the Pro 14 just because they get more rest? So I don't think the Premiership lads would swap it. I just think it is well, unavoid- unavoidably relentless. Yeah. It's the cash rest axis. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, there has to be a, a nice point where it crosses, but yeah, I think that's probably currently in uh, in London somewhere. Um, quick mention of Glasgow's. Two counter-attacking tries. Uh, there's a competition on uh, European rugby at the minute, ERC, about the try of uh, the season so far. Seymour. Yeah. Seymour's winning that, isn't he? Yeah, it was a brilliant. I, I, I was the I was the judge for it, so I can't give it away. But I'd say. But you got, just you just said yeah. I'd so. no, never prove it. I'd say he's got a very good chance. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> that's this week's big stories done and dusted. Now let's move on to our live studio guest. And this week on Rugby Tonight, we had Jason Woodward and the Gloucester fullback had this to say. Okay, uh, this is uh, at Joe Crossley. Uh, what's your go to trick that you like to pull off in training? Mm, that's a good um, question, I can throw a ball a long way. Um, well, underhand, overhand? No, I like American football, sort of from halfway, so I sort of tend to take bits from about halfway and hit the crossbar. So okay. I've won a few. OK, this is from Luke Jones on Facebook. Jason, what are the big differences you've experienced from Super Rugby to, to up here, to the Premiership, I presume? Um, a lot of people sort of talk about the pace of the game, it being quicker in the south and probably a bit more physical here, but um, I'd say it's probably only a very, very slight difference. You get sort of, um, you know, Saracens at home or um, extra on a dry day. You know, some of those games are just as fast as Super Rugby, so... Um, yeah, I'd probably say just the pace of the game's slightly different. OK, this one is on Twitter, and this is from RM1664, so it's a computer. Uh, <laughs> what is the single most important skill attribute for the modern fullback? Just probably 
being able to catch the ball at the back, um, being able to read a first five, um, I think that's pretty important. If you know the team's looking to pick off space in the backfield, just being able to preempt where that kick's going to go and sort of get there and catch it. Yeah. This is from Bob One D. Uh, when are you coming? We'll pass on that. When are you coming back to Bristol? Um, <laughs> next one, probably next year. Um, at Jacob Bassford, uh, how has Ackerman changed things at Gloucester? Good question. Um, obviously, I wasn't there last year, but um, since Ackerman's come in, from the boys that have been there um, for the past couple of years, I think they've just noticed a real sort of difference in the team environment. People sort of wanting to be there and get involved in the club. Um, on, on the field, I think there's probably not as much. Um, you know, sort of emphasis on structure. It's a bit more sort of play what's in front, and I think that's probably been the best thing for the for the boys. Okay, we've got uh, about 90 seconds left. Uh, this is from uh, <laughs> at uh, Michael Watmore. Uh, well played, uh, Mike. Uh, this is Jason. Who soon? <laughs> how sh oh sorry, how soon do you think it, it will be until Gloucester wins some silverware? Excellent question, Michael. Sure, sure. Silverware. Uh, sorry. Um, <laughs> I think it'll be this season. I'm actually crying. Um, OK, we'll wrap it up with, with a serious question because we're going to talk about um, the England squad that was announced last week. Uh, but you went to training with England, didn't you? You went to the training squad before the tour last summer? Yeah, the two, two training camps last year. How did you find it? Tell yeah, us. loved it, every minute of it. It was really good. Um, obviously, a world-class bunch of, bunch of boys there to train, train alongside. And, um, you know, it was really good sort of getting to train under Eddie for a couple of weeks. So, yeah, it was really cool. Having just spoken to Jason, who made the move to Gloucester in 2017, let's talk about a young man who went the other direction at the same time. Darren Daviduk. He left Gloucester to go to London Irish. Unfortunately, before Darren even had the chance to make his competitive debut for the club, he was diagnosed with testicular cancer. We caught up with the big man himself to see how his fight with the illness was going and how his recovery was coming along. First blood. I felt something was wrong, but just being a guy, you sort of just uh, play it down. I was I'd probably just taking a banging training, and, and it's probably nothing serious. On the way back home, I rang my GP. He checked me over. Tuesday morning, he rings me and says, "Look, it's a tumour. It's a lot worse than what we expect. Uh, what we first expected. Um, it's spread to my lymph nodes." I'm going to need three months of chemotherapy. It was tough for me to, to pick up the phone and, and, and obviously tell family back home because, and especially my mum, I lost my younger brother um, to a brain tumour. She's probably thinking, bloody hell, another one of my sons has been diagnosed with cancer. I had my girlfriend there and I could just see her just, you know, welling up and, and I just looked at her and I just went, look, everything's going to be okay. And as soon as the, obviously, the doc told me that, I just, my first question to him was like, oh, right, does that mean I can get back to rugby in the new year? And he just looked at me and said, look, don't even worry about that. Should we talk about the diet? Veganism, plants, no meat. On the same day, I just made that conscious decision, right, I need to start making some big health changes to my lifestyle. The hardest thing for me was actually cutting out the coffee, because I think I've built up a bit of an addiction to it, and also it's a social thing with the lads. And, uh, so were you a green tea man? Yeah, a green tea man or, or a peppermint tea. I was able to recover quicker from my treatment. Um, 
it gave me that energy to get, get in the gym. Call it a vanity thing as well, but I just, you know, for me, I just thought, well, if I could keep my weight up, keep my strength up, make my life a lot easier for when I come back into training with the lads. The club and the boys have been absolutely amazing. And that just drove me on as well to, to, to go, right, I need to smash this. First person to give me any sort of stick was uh, Brian, the physio, just giving me the one ball chat, basically. <laughs> Mentally, have you surprised yourself? Being a rugby player, you all, there's always been setbacks in, in like injuries and stuff like that. And that's the way I sort of looked at it. I looked at it as an injury. I was like, okay, I'm going to be out for four months, but and, the, and as soon as the treatment finishes, I want to be back in, into training. I reckon I'll play my best rugby when I come back and I'll enjoy my rugby more than I ever have before. Good to hear Darren doing so well and we all wish him all the best uh, in the coming months. Okay, as always, the Anglo-Welsh Cup is a chance for a lot of teams to test out some of their younger players. So let's have a look at who is playing who this weekend, as well as which games you can watch on BT Sport, of course. Friday night, Gloucester versus the Ospreys at 7.45pm, BT Sport 2 and BT Sport 4K UHD. Saturday, coverage starts 2.45pm where you can watch Bath take on the Newcastle Falcons. Kickoff is at 3pm. It's on BT Sport 3 and again on 4K UHD. And then the remaining games on Saturday sees Harlequins welcome the Scarlets. Interesting to see what sort of team Scarlets put out. I think they'll try and keep the momentum going. Leicester take on the Cardiff Blues. Leicester will just be desperate to get a win. London Irish versus Wasps. The same probably applies to the Irish. And Saracens versus Dragons. And then the final game on Saturday is Worcester versus the Premiership champions, Exeter. They must be desperate just for a slightly shorter trip to an away fixture, mustn't they? Mm. They must have some laughs on away trips. Yeah, I mean, do they? Do the players still get on it on the bus on the way home? I've seen some pictures after... Uh, Chiefs do, I think. Yeah, mm. I think they do. Pe I like that. Pizza and beer. Yeah, well, it used to be at Sale Sharks. It used to be... You had a basically had a call and he's like you've got to go up on the Thursday to play on the Friday night the most boring day all day on Friday that's why that's still why I reckon half the teams lose at sale and they're quite good sometimes but the, after the game it's like right do we stay over but we're not going to get out of the ground till half 11 we can't get into Bredbury Hall nightclub because they've stopped us coming in at midnight and everyone's banned from last time <clears throat> and we're all banned from last time so it's like do we stay over and come back in the morning or do we get 30 boxes of Domino's and 40 crates of beer on the bus and just get it done I think they can get any pizza brand apparently and other well, other pizzas are available they're just not as tasty yeah and they don't do like that stuffed crust that they do no. it's quite nice yeah talking of stuffed crust I was in uh, Portugal on Tuesday yeah um, I didn't go to the England training camp I know the England squad's just been announced uh, I just went over there um, what were you doing there uh, I was business oh yeah me, me too actually me too. yeah mm -hmm. uh, but the squad's been announced he's had a few injuries already though hasn't he a few withdrawals yeah, it's but that's the um, that's nature the nature of the beast. Well, that's the Six Nations this year. It's kind of everyone's injured. There's hardly anyone playing. I'm sort then of rename it. Waiting for my phone to ring. Um, it's like it's kind of it's going to be like the Anglo Welsh Cup only for all the different nations with different shirts on because there's going to be no one fit to play in it. It's always the way though after these uh, Lions tour. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's always uh, and there's all, usually a strange winner. Nobody gets a grand slam after a Lions tour, but I think this time round it might be a bit different. Who do you reckon's going to get it? I think uh, Ireland. They'd have to beat England away in the final game, but... You reckon they got it in them? I think they've got it in them, yeah. 
I'm, I'm not going to put any money on them because I'm patriotic and I hope it doesn't happen. But do you know what? I want England to win. If England can't win the title or the Grand Slam, I would like Scotland to win it. They have to keep everyone fit, and they've got a lot of injuries as well. Everyone has. Yeah. Uh, but they play some great stuff. They play some great they stuff. They do. They are a good side to watch. But like you said, the squad, I don't think I don't think it's thick enough yet, if that's a decent analogy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back row uh, player, Zach Mercer, he loses his apprentice tag. Does that yeah. mean, he, you know, what does that mean? No more making the tea for Eddie? Or? <clears throat> I think it means that because there are injuries, um, Eddie Jones has had no choice, and because of his form, Eddie Jones has had no choice but to make him a, a proper squad player, which from the little I know about Eddie Jones probably pained him a little bit because I think he <laughs> likes to keep lads down there yeah. and push them down, on, on, f- down for a bit. Um, uh, Robshaw and Brown out, injured as well. So there's a good chance Mercer could play. They might be out, yeah. I mean, there's I think there's a really good chance. I think Simmons will play. So I would imagine Robshaw finds a way to play. You've also got Marrow and Courtney yeah. and the, you've, got, you've got a six in there somewhere mm. alongside Launchbury or Cruz in the second row. So that's your, that's two of your back rows sorted. Then you've got, you know, Underhill. He likes this Gary Graham. Don't know a huge amount about him to be honest. But um, you know, you've got, you do have other options in the back row. But I, but I do think that Zach Mercer will get capped in this Six Nations. I think it's unlikely that he won't. And actually, I think he's a far better player than he was a year ago. He can yeah. still do the special stuff, but he's contributing loads more. Could he play? In, in theory, it, let's say Rob Shaw's injured. Yeah. So could you see a back five of Launchbury and Cruz in the row? Mm. And play Atoji, uh, Mercer, uh, and even potentially launch, uh, Laws in the back row. You, but you, you're sure Simmons will be in there? Simmons will be in there. He's got to be at in there. seven. No, I think I don't think he will be at seven because he won't, won't get his hands on the ball as much. Um, I think it, you lose Robshaw. You lose what what you what you lose in Robshaw is all the little bits and pieces what he does so all the little bits of work they're not necessarily very dynamic and destructive but they're they're tackles and carries yeah, that someone has to do and it's the modern day Richard Hill yeah modern day Richard Hill so you've got that's what frees up Billy Vunapola so much because he just has to do less work and that's not because he's lazy it's because he's dynamic and massive powerful and massive but Zach Mercer's not massive but he's a bit like that whereas I think Simmons has got the explosion that Mercer's got probably more and I think he's got the mobility because he's not a very big bloke he's very strong but he's got the mobility, so he's got a really high weight. But I think you have to put him in the position where he gets the ball the most. And I think that'll end up being number eight. I've just thought of a really good way for the England coaches to select the team. I know the other two don't get any say. But why don't they play guess who? Like have a little guess who board yeah. each. And you then like you slap him down. Yeah. Full back. Injured. 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 Or left with him. Ginger. <laughs> is he ginger wears glasses yeah fast oh no he's out yeah we wish England all the best obviously uh, and Eddie with his difficult selections uh, coming up particularly for that first game Italy away not easy but the one you want really to start to get a bit of momentum going yeah. isn't it okay it's time for another link Flats do you have Excellent. do you have links on your podcast um, no we don't have anything we I you mean, just talk though. You just chew the fat for half an hour yeah, well, we had Mudos on yesterday, Lewis Moody. Oh, my God. He was, honestly... Who was on the swear button? Yeah, I know, I know. He was brilliant. He Is the swearing allowed? Hour and a half, bit of it. Yeah, not too much. Yeah. I sometimes get a bit carried away. Shanks is quite controlled. Yesterday? Was that the one you asked me to do? No. 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 I haven't been asked yet. So, Austin. Yeah. So, nice. Austin. Good segue. It's that time of year again when players start leaving their clubs and heading for training camps for their respective countries in time for the Six Nations. The England squad are gathering in Portugal and it's time for any club differences. Club? 
club, yeah. It's like a mixture of when you turn up with a golf club, because they're in yeah. Portugal, you see, and the club, and that's why it gets confusing. Yeah, and it's it's time for any clothed differences to be put to one side. It's basically time to unite with a bunch of lads, a bunch of absolute lads, who you've thought about landing a big hit on all season, an atomic wedging on television, and all of a sudden they're on your side, and you've been in team meetings slagging them off, saying they're not very good, and now you're smiling to their face. <laughs> lying. You're, you're lying. the best player in the world. You're the best player in the world. Were there any big club rivalries you can remember from your time in the English camp or even the Lions camp that simmered even when you were on the same team? No, it's not ethical, but there was no uh, no rivalries as such. We just tried to injure as many of the England players as possible. Yeah. Because it just gave you a better chance of starting. Yeah. When the Six Nations, particularly sort of November, December time, if you give someone a really bad dead leg, or a burst kidney at that stage, yeah. you knew full well you got a good chance of playing. I've been on the floor once, and I was just on this ruck playing against you, and Martin Corrie had like just fallen off the back of the ruck with Richard Hill, and he's just lying. They're lying on their backs right next to each other for a second on the floor, and Hilly goes to get up, and Coser just looks both ways and just elbows him, like smashes him in the face, and Hilly's like, ah, because Hilly's not a violent guy at all, like yeah. best player ever, but just like, not a violent guy. Ah, you know, I think he opened Hilly up or smashed his face or something, and Cos got a yellow straight away, I think. And after the game, Hilly was just like, we're in the change room, and I was, I was like, hey, um, seen Cosa sort of thing. And he was like, and Hilly was like, I just don't know why he would do that. Why would he do that? I said, he wants to play. You said, why do you think he would do it? He just wants to get a game. He can't get a game at the moment because of you. He said, yes. oh, yeah, I suppose so. It's called the Bitter and Twisted Club. It <laughs> used to meet on Wednesdays. I, prob- I presume it still does. Or Thursdays on the, the day off. Don't know if it, the England week's still the same for as a it used to be. Yeah, for a little yeah. bit of a uh, let's put the world to rights conversation. It was normally led by Lawrence in the later days. He was the oh, captain yeah. of the bitter and twisted. I should be in. I should still be in a team. Yeah, yeah but lol, you're forty-eight years yeah. old. They've taken a tackler out. Are they going to win without a tackler? <laughs> <laughs> Tim Payne used to call him the ruffler because he ruffles everyone's hair. He's so alpha male. You ruffle your hair. It's a ruffler. <laughs> he's one of those guys, though, that when he comes to torture, he puts his hand on your shoulder. Yeah. And it's not like you, I'm not small enough, you know, at five foot eleven. But he pushes <laughs> you down a couple of inches and you're like, it's like, it's like a core exercise. Yeah. It's a core session. When I first met him, I wondered why he'd always uh, stand on my shoes while I was talking to him and just tread on my feet. I don't know why I did that. But, yeah. but no, rivalries. I mean, uh, it, it was a beautiful uh, passage that, that you, you wrote there. Thank um, you. That yeah. was wonderful. Uh, I read it quite well. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think of any rivalries. I think the scrumarves are usually pretty bad. I think Dawson, and Kieran and Gomez used to go at each other quite hard. But being a utility back, there was just too many people to try and go <laughs> yeah, after. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, any other rivalries? Mainly within Leicester, I think. I think Leicester and Judge just beating each other up so yeah. much that they didn't really take it outside. Yeah. No, the, guy, the hardest guys I played against, like in terms of props you play against in my position, you'd have... It weren't rivalries. It was just you were more up for the better players. Yeah. So you're more up for Darren Garforth, you're more up for Julian White, more up for Cobus, Cobus Visagi than you are for guys who, journeymen who don't scrum that well, basically. Well, name, name a few poor ones then. No. In case they're listening. Um, who wouldn't? I'll tell you, I remember one, that, and this is really disrespectful because he's a British Lion. I remember playing against Paul Burnell, I think he was. He played yeah. for the Lions, played for Scotland loads of times and played for the Lions. I remember being absolutely terrified before that game. So I'm playing. I'm a kid. I'm playing against the Lions tight head, and honestly, it was like. I mean, he taught me something that day. I'd never genuinely now. I never keep knew, going the gym. I yeah. I never knew about pulling in the scrum instead of pushing. Yeah. He wasn't just not pushing. He was pulling me round, trying to spin the scrum around. He was literally putting one foot out in front of the other, underneath him, pushing back and pulling me around. 
as if it was like tactical. But then when it came to the big scrums and he w- really went for it, it was like, oh my God, you play for the Lions. This is amazing. So I feel really, maybe you just had a bad day. Yeah, and I think it's always And if way. you're listening, Paul, Sol's about that. As you're here, Flats, and uh, still here, um, we thought we'd just do uh, greatest tries from front rowers. Tom Cruise at the weekend. That's some finished mm. dive. Amazing. I mean, you probably would have scored it without having had to dive. Just dotted it down under the posts. Um, but what can you remember uh, as your favourite front row scores of all time? And I don't mean pushovers. Okay, two. One was um, Phil Vickery running in from about 25, 30 yards out of King Zone. He's in the 13 channel. He gets it on the angle. Oh, I remember that try. And he throws a dummy and someone buys it and he goes straight through. Wasn't that quite late in his career as well, though? Yeah. Well, not that late. He went to Wasp, didn't he? Late in his Gloucester career. He was playing for Gloucester. Maybe I'm wrong. No, he was playing for Gloucester. And as he was rumbling over the line, he was just laughing. He was laughing and it was it was great. So he ran in and scored it grinning because he obviously would never throw a dummy again in his life or wherever it had to that point. But Neil Hatley, 2003 in Japan at the end of the Canada-America-Japan tour, epic tour. For Let, all the wrong reasons. Yes. <laughs> Head coach Steve Diamond, um, social coordinator Henry Paul. It was one of the great tours. Um, Will Green, the wasp prop, was um, he hot-legged the entire RFU staff on the last night in the pub in Tokyo. If you don't know what hot-legging is, I'll leave it to you. It was loose. It was absolutely loose, but great fun, and we took it very seriously. Neil Hatley, I think I'm right in saying this. Somebody might come in and tell me wrong. Scored a try against Japan from 55 metres, which is more yeah. than half a pitch. And Hats was 19 and a half, 20 stone at that point. Very, very big man. And he could move. He really moved. But there were dummies, sidesteps and gas. He was actually gassing people. Shut up. That's what we need a video. If you've got a video yeah. of that anywhere, it was please amazing. send it in at BT sport or at rugby tonight uh, my favorite one ever was darren garforth intercepted yeah. about 40 odd meters out and you know i think it's simple physics but if his shoulders got to a certain angle in front of his feet the sheer momentum meant that he accelerated faster than the ant- antil mob yeah. and he was ridiculously quick i remember jogging alongside him and he was flat out and uh, he made it in from 40. He got caught by two or three guys, but I was enjoying it so much, I, I didn't ask him to pass. And he just got to the line. Yeah. I remember playing playing against, again, another big game against Canada. And I was at tight head and uh, Graham Roundtree was at loose head. And this ball like spilled out the back. Uh, this ball spilled out the side of a rug. And I picked it up like David Campisi and just went the length. No, I picked it up. Hitch kick. And I ran and there was no one there. And I just kept running and running and running. And I wasn't used to making breaks. And then this guy caught me, weirdly, after quite a long time. And I went to do this. Um, I lost my head completely because I'd never made a break before. And I went to do an over-the-top, like an alley-oop, like over-the-top hook pass over this guy's head to Wig on the inside. And the pass actually went to Wig. He was laughing so much that he dropped the ball. And he ended up, we knew, he knew he'd dropped it. And he dived on it so they couldn't get the advantage. And he was like crying on the floor because he'd watched me run that far. And he thought it was the most hilarious sight he'd ever seen. And he literally couldn't catch a pass in a test match because he was laughing at me so much. Yeah, there you go. Fascinating. 
that's all we've got time for, Flats, for this uh, this week's Rugby Tonight podcast. But I th- yeah, I think that's enough, do you? Uh, probably, yeah. Uh, but thanks to all of you lot for listening, as always. Uh, if you've liked it, go and subscribe to the pod to get it delivered to your, well, whichever device you listen to your podcasts on. And you can do that every single Thursday. And of course, if you like it and you've got loads of spare time or potentially just haven't got a job, you could always give us a nice review and a five-star rating. But we'll be back next week uh, as we prepare for the, the first weekend of this year's Six Nations tournament. Are you going to any games quickly? Yeah. Which one? Italy, England. So, oh, Florence, beautiful city. Yeah. Anyway, goodbye. I've always, I've always loved Venice. <laughs> goodbye. Hi. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.